And we're live. Welcome back to Keepers of the Word. You're here with Mike and James. We put together another great show for you today about Manly P. Hall. But before we get into it, we'd like to thank all of our followers and subscribers, and everybody who supports us. James? Make sure to follow all of our social media outlets, Twitch being our favorite, hit the subscribe button, and turn on the notifications to stay up to date with our new content. The views and topics of Keepers of the Word are solely our opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any Masonic Lodge or Grand Lodge. Today, we have a special guest with us, Ashley Ryan, Pythian Priestess of the Occult Unveiled Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you all having us having you on the show. Well, thank today, you. Oh, welcome, welcome. welcome. Thank you. Yes, welcome. Um, today, we have a lot to cover. So I'm just going to jump into it because you're looking at a 70 year career. There's a lot to cover in there. And I know we're not going to be able to touch on everything, but let's just get started with his beginning. So we're talking about Manly Palmer Hall, who was born in 1901, Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, uh, to Louise Palmer Hall, who was a chiropractor and member of the Rosie Crucian Fellowship. Um, he had about, I don't know the exact amount of lectures, but they were in the thousands um, books. He, he's published over 150 volumes, uh, his most famous being Secret Teachings of All Ages. So when he started, uh, I believe in 1919, uh, he went to the Church of the People located at Trinity Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles. That's where he began to read the works uh, of Helena Blavatsky. Now, James, Mm -hmm. what is your, what what do you know about Helena Blavatsky and Manly P. Holm? So H.P. Blavatsky is a wonderful person. She's one of my other idols. Um, So it's any day that I could talk about two of these people are, uh, is an amazing day. Uh, H.P. Blavatsky is a, a really crazy character. She was born a Russian princess. Um, wow. in, in Russia, yeah. Uh, but she didn't want to be a princess. She wanted to wear jeans and ride horses and climb trees and beat up boys. So <laughs> she was very, very different. She stood out. Um, if you've ever seen a picture of her, her eyes are stunning. She looks right through your soul, right through the picture. Um, she's just an amazing character. She did a bunch of stuff where she, they didn't know what to do with her. They, you know, She's a princess, but was not princess-like. She smoked cigars, cursed like a sailor. She wanted to hang out with the guys. Um, so she wanted out of Russia because she was bored. Everybody was catering to her. She wanted to go have adventures. She ended up marrying a very wealthy, um, like, tycoon type of dude. And uh, she married him and never spent one night with him. She says, I have to go off my journey. And he paid for everything. He was obsessed with her. Um, it's pretty cool. She kind of swindled the, dude, the guy, but... I mean, what do, you, what do you want, you know? So she traveled. She traveled the world. Um, she's a huge character inside the occult world, so huge that Aleister Crowley um, basically believed that he was a reincarnation of her. He followed her footsteps everywhere. He was obsessed with her. Most people don't know this that are obsessed with Crowley. Uh, I don't know why, but um, he went to all the places that she, that she went to. Uh, if you know the, the Crowley story of him being outside the Tibetan um, monk place where uh, they wouldn't let him in because he was a crazy white man. Uh, he wanted to go there because that's where she went, and they accepted her because she knew what was going on. Um, he laid out there in front of the doors. Um, I think he had like dysentery and was starving, but he wouldn't leave. And I forget like on whatever day it was, they're like, "Dude, this guy's gonna die on our doorstep. He won't leave." You know, he's British. What do we do? So they finally they let him in. Because he was dying, and that's how he got his foot in the door. Um, but Bovaski did many things. She traveled everywhere. Um, probably one of my largest collections um, is H.P. Bovaski. I have half a bookshelf to her of rare books and first editions and stuff like that. Um, you know, Hall's book, The Phoenix, um, I have served. That served as his archetype uh, in both terms of metaphysical doctrines and unhealthy living styles. Um, I think 
Hal felt that Blavatsky's appearance, hygiene, and health were reflective of her dedication towards her metaphysical doctrines and the results of how communicating with her Mahatmas had negative results on her health. Do you know of any anything on, on that part where she was communicating with the Mahatmas, but it was deteriorating her? Of course. This is that's, that's my girl right there. So as far as her deteriorating, I mean, her health did start to deteriorate. You see pictures later on where she's always wearing a blanket because she was cold all the time. Um, we talk about the teachers. She talks about these teachers, the Mahatmas, right? These invisible teachers and stuff. Um, there was once where she was at a party, and I forget where she's at. I think she's in, in England, and um, she was at a dinner table uh, with a, a large dinner table with a bunch of people. And out of thin air, this guy unfolded who was wearing all black, and his eyes looked weird. And it scared the hell out of everybody and whispered into her ear. The guy jumped in the air and disappeared. And she said that she had to go. And everybody was freaked out. Everybody asked, <laughs> what was that? And she was like, it's just a messenger from the from the teachers. And then she had to go. And she got on a boat and went back to uh, to uh, in India. She, was, <clears throat> she did crazy things, man. That like, is crazy. Yeah, she did in front of people. That's the thing. And here's another thing, too, that one of the reasons why I really liked her, um, my whole attitude, you know, when you go into the cult is, you know, F you show me, you know, because mm-hmm. th- there's all kind of things. Anybody can say, hey, I'm a guru. I fly. I do this. I do that. Cool, man. I, I will absolutely. Show me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll read your teachings and I'll study you if you show me. Like you're telling me that you do that. Um, please do that. You know, she mm-hmm. actually went around. And uh, through America, when we're having this whole spiritual movement, where you had all these soothsayers and snake salesmen, oil, you know, snake oil salesmen, and she disproved them all. She would go to all these fake uh, seances and disprove them all. She knew all the tricks and knew everything. And that was her mission to go through America and rid everybody, rid all these people uh, of this plague that they were doing. They were taking advantage of people and swindling money from people, using their, their people – um, they're, they're dead people as, as a leverage to gain money from them. It was really horrible. Um, but she went through, yeah, she went through the, the whole place, just trying to clear as many as she could. Ashley, do you have anything on, on Hall in, in his early years, early or pre his beginnings, his humble beginnings? So for Manly, I know a lot about his writings. Um, as for, I know the bare bones of his early life. I know that he wasn't educated at all. I know that he didn't really attend much schooling, and he spent a lot of his time in the New York Public Library, where he found all of the old manuscripts and documents that were, um, some of them were coded, some of them were just in plain, uh, well, not plain English, they were in, in older English, and he wrote the, the Secret Teachings of All Ages. Now, that title is actually significantly longer, um, yes. and it is the Encyclopedia of Western esotericism, essentially. And that is, he wrote that by the time he was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. And he was hailed for this, a massive feat where he received funding from a lot of rich families in Southern California to do worldwide travels to explore and to gather ancient and lost manuscripts to create this incredible library, uh, which he founded in Los Angeles, California, and Los Feliz. And that's where he founded the Philosophical Research Society. And I think it's funny that, and unfortunate that he had to use the word philosophy, although it is, it fits, it's not fully inclusive, but it just shows like the the time changes. Um, I know that the Theosophy Society was still here in Los Angeles when he was here. um, And now they currently are in Ojai. But you, you can really see Manly just had this extensive knowledge just from like dedication and determination. And, and that's what really inspires me about him. Yeah, the Secret Teachings of All Ages uh, has citation, citations from 400 different authors. That is a lot of information for you to research and then go back and research more to build that tome that he created. That book itself, uh, I remember being introduced to it in the early 2000s 
I had a a manager who eh, he liked he liked reading, and he brought that book, and it was the big blue one, James. You know the one that I yeah. got. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it. I was just wow, seeing the the ones that we've seen. What like you said, Ashley it was it was a different title. It was I believe it was philosophical, hermetic. Uh, Correct. It was a big long title, Kabbalistic, uh, so and so on. But I remember seeing this, and then seeing all of the all of the all of the pictures and and the different topics. I've never seen anything like it before. And from there, I was hooked on anything manly p hall all right so i pulled out my edition uh which is the reader's edition and it is the secret teachings of all ages an encyclopedic outline of masonic hermetic kabbalistic with a q and rosicrucian symbolical philosophy it's a mouthful it is a mouthful and i was so blessed Um, i volunteer at prs uh the librarian actually had out the 1920s copy of the first edition of the Secret Teachings, and I got to touch it, and it was it was so exciting to see because um, it has gone through a lot of different revisions over the years. There are many different uh, printings of the Secret Teachings. There's a lot. Uh, most of the same information, but. Yeah, some pieces have been pulled out, which is why they sell the pamphlets. And I have made it my mission in life to have all of these pamphlets, both digital and in physical form. <laughs> Good to you. Teachings is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> I don't even have yeah. those. That's a lot. That's a, yeah, it is a lot. I it's collect lot more of the, the rare ones, you know, or the ones I can find. So anytime I see a Manly P. Hall book that's an older edition anywhere, I usually just pick it up. Um, but that's a lot. I have a, a book that I purchased in Long Beach called the um, – what's it called? the uh, A Lecture on Magic. And it's a little pamphlet. It's a three-staple pamphlet. It's about the size of your hand. And this is the one that he hands out during the lectures. When you go there on Sunday and you purchase your ticket, you would get a pamphlet. And um, I saw it in the bookcase at this bookstore. And I, I told the lady, I go, excuse me, ma'am, I like to purchase this book. She's like, you want me to get the key and open – the things we can look at it. I go, no, no, no. I just like to purchase it. She's like, are you sure you want to check it out? I go, no, I know what it is. I want to purchase the book, please. So she opened it. I, I purchased it. And it's, it's an amazing, I've never seen this book. So I actually brought it to Kelly, uh, the head librarian at PRS. And I asked her, I go, I, I don't want, I know you guys don't validate, you know, signatures and stuff like that. But I just want to know, like, where is this? I've never been able to find this book again. And she goes, I know, oh, I'm sorry. It's called a treaties on magic. She goes, I don't know that cover, but I know that that lecture. And she goes, well, here, I'll show you this. And then I'm showing her the book, and she opens the sliding glass uh, door or window in the library. And I'm kind of looking down at my phone, and she goes, here, check it out. And she hands me a blue book. And I open it. I go, yeah, this is it. This is the inside of the book. And she goes, yeah, we don't have that edition. I'm like, excuse me? She goes, yeah, we don't have that edition. He goes, that's, uh, this is the only book that he has. I go, who has? She goes, that's Manly P. Hall's book. I'm like, excuse me? And that was his remaining collection that she opened. And I'm like, Kelly, I don't think you should have done that. I need to hold back here. Um, it was amazing to see his, his collection. But um, I have a red version of Treaties on Magic. It has a large pentagram and the whole coverage red. And her version was black and blue and just said a Treaties on Magic. So it was pretty cool to see a different version. And I've never been able to see this again. Um, so I keep looking for it. So if I can find it, then uh, then it'll be amazing to purchase again. <laughs> well, going back to to um, Blavatsky, she was a huge influence on, on Manly. Uh, but one of the things that he, he did point out about the Theosophical Society, is he said if uh, Blavatsky were to walk into the door of the Theosophical Society and demand an accounting from her disciples, no one could honestly tell her that they had been good and faithful servants. So he threw little jabs at people through through time. Uh, Paramasa Yogananda was another one that he had he had problems with. Uh, and I believe Aleister Crowley, he, he really didn't like the guy. He actually had a quote on his desk from, from Aleister, and he, he had that there to remind him that he wanted to 
be a person who doesn't cheat people or stretch the truth, I guess, in a way. His famous quote, there's no religion higher than the truth. Um, now, going back to um, the Mahatmas, I remember I, I saw something that, that was different right here that, that stood out. Uh, Hall states that there was a the Mahatmas were part of a great white brotherhood. Um, Correct. He said that they had 12 members, which meet in Shambhala and direct the affairs of, of men. Uh, 205, the city of Shambhala, which t- typically spells Shambhala, is a mytho- mythological city within Tibetan Buddhism. Pretty interesting stuff, just that part right there, because... Blavatsky got her information from somewhere, right? Yes. And he wasn't, was super interested in where she got her information from. So, uh, what else do you know about the Mahatmas? I understand the Mahatmas are the ascended masters. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? Correct. Yes. So I don't know a whole lot about that particular aspect of Blavatsky's work. Um, I do know that one of them was Saint Germain. Uh, I or she like had an, an acknowledgement of that energy. But what really interests me about about Manley's work is wherever he he got all this information, like it spans uh, very far back into ancient Ju- Judaism, but potentially beyond. And that's what. Um, it's so special to see information that comes up. So one of my favorite pictures that you mentioned in the book was the the miter-headed hat, the the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, that we, Yes, that we see the Pope and bishops in the Catholic Church wearing. And that that came from um, the Middle East and ancient Mesopotamia. And I was my mind was blown to see how this has changed, and I see that connection. That we're I'm so grateful that both HPB and Manly P Hall did to go into the Far East and be able to bring back um, that understanding uh, to the West. Because I think, like you were saying, there are good sides and bad sides to all people. But what I think is fascinating is Alistair Crowley, Jack Parsons, Manly P Hall. We're, and HPB for a little while. We're all in Los Angeles. And like there was this massive drama happening between. So like, I'm sure Manly ran into to Aleister Crowley at times and not allowing um, his ego or what some people would call your, your animal side. Like I think Manly had a lot of really stern ethics. Yes. Um, and he specifically wrote about that in the esoteric treaties of ethics that I read to my students. And we talk about the use of magical energy and how using it um, is not karma as in like do bad, get bad, but it does take a toll on you. And I think that it's just really special to see the different personalities that all worked through this time period. Um, but what was so unique for me, at least about Manley, is that he could recite these things off the top of his head for hours. He would go have lectures and with no notes and was able to talk intelligently. Um, I don't think I could do that. That is very hard to do, especially when you're in front of, say, several hundred people and you're just going off the top of the he- top of your head and just giving a, a, a long dissertation on your thoughts and feelings. Um, there's another person I, I know who does things like that, uh, James. <laughs> yeah. He likes to stand in front of you and just go. And and that's good. That's a rare, 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 rare gift. Yeah. And if you could pull it off well, then great. Uh, more power to you. But most people can't do that. I feel, I noticed that, I feel better sorry, doing that than writing something down, but I need to still write it down. You know, there's, you know, guys from that time, they had that gift right like uh Eckhart Tolle um what's his name Dale Carnegie these guys these guys had that gift of gab where they could just sit in front of you and and have a conversation about a deep topic and really get into the bones of it 
without having to go to notes and uh, seeing how Manly has, has been involved in the esoteric world at such a, such a young age since his, his mom introduced him to the Rosicrucian order uh, that really shaped his world because that's what led him to Blavatsky that, and that's what led him to all of these different paths that he researched for us. But one thing that I do see in his work is a, a, an undertone. It's not where he's saying this is, where he's explaining this and saying this is taken for truth. No, he's looking at, he's like, you make your own decision. You have to read this and you have to make your own decision. And whatever decision you make, that's yours. And I, I really like that about his work. It's cool to see, like, over time, how his style also changed um, with the advent of psychoanalysis in the 1950s. Um, and he, you know, was reading Freud. And um, I don't know if he ever met Carl Jung, but I know that he was familiar with his work and was able to also psychologize a lot of the occult, which really had not been done before. One of my favorite pamphlets I have here is the psychology of religious ritual. And how the ritual aspect, the psychodrama, influences you and how it works. So no matter if you are doing a ceremony uh, like of high magic or you're doing witchcraft with candles and herbs, you are imprinting something into your mind and really explaining to us that the mind is the tool of magic. And Absolutely. that has never been done before. And once people realize that, that we are... We are the battery for that, you know, and as long as you have that format and whatever thought or whatever process that you're attempting to use, whether it's witchcraft, ceremonial magic, or what have you, um, it is the mind that is powering that. That is essential for anybody to understand if they want to practice anything. Out of all the books, aside from Secret Teachings of All Ages, which one st stands out to you the most? And this question is for both you, James, and Ashley. Go ahead, Ashley. I'm going to think on this. Okay. So um, I have a lot of favorites. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, I have to think on this. I think so. There's um, the psychology of religious ritual. The one that I just mentioned was very close to my heart. But my absolute favorite is his interpretation of Atlantis. Mm. Um, Atlantis was my... Uh, entrance into the occult world when I was 18 years old during the summer of 2008. I was printing labels and had a lot of free time, so I spent time looking on the internet about Atlantis, wondering if it was real. Awesome. And to, yeah. And like, of course, all we have really is Plato's account. And Manly P. Hall was like the first person that I could find, which was a trusted source that I knew he knew something genuine about this. It wasn't like a guru, it wasn't just some weird website online. And for me, that really um, opened up my perception of how ancient hum humans really are. Hmm. I got to check that one out. James, what about you? Uh, let's see. What book? I mean, Secret Teachings is, is a great book, but I, that's the starter book that I tell everybody to go for, you know? If anybody wants to open their eyes to the occult world, that's the first book that I tell everybody to go get and read. Um. Man, I think it's probably my my favorite one is 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 the <clears throat> it would be the magic is a treatise on a natural occultism the one I found because I mean if I had passed by this case probably a year and a half and never looked into it and I saw it and immediately I'm like I need this so it's it's my crown jewel of my collection I think that's why I like it so much um, it's just it's interesting interesting talk on the subject that he brings forth and. At that time period, no one was doing this. Absolutely nobody. They were either criticized or just shunned. And uh, he was able to do this. I think that that would be my choice. Mm. Choice of books. My choice, aside from the big tome, um, would have to be Melchizedek and the Mystery of Fire. That's a good and, one. Uh, we do have a copy of that in our Discord. It's a PDF version. But I really like the way he broke down John the Baptist, Melchizedek, and Jesus, and how they're all related in some sort of weird way, and how this 
mystery of fire began. Uh, I really like the way he breaks things down. Uh, the way he explains things is, is it comes from a, a point where he did a lot of research and is putting his value in this area or, Hey, this, this is what I found and make your decision. And that's what I really like about his, his books. Um, we do know that Paul was a Rosicrucian and then became a Mason later on. Uh, I believe in 54, that's when he was initiated to Jewel Lodge 374 in San Francisco. Um, and then he was passed in, he was passed in September of 54 and then raised in November of 54. Uh, he took the Scottish Rite degrees a year later, received his 32nd uh, in the Valley of San Francisco, and December 8th, 73, uh, 47 years after writing Secret, Secret Teachings of All Ages, Hall was recognized as a 33rd degree Mason, the highest honor conferred in the Supreme Council of the Scottish Rite. What's and cool? uh, I believe they had a ceremony held at the Philosophical Research Society. What's cool is that he was hanging out with Masons for like years, decades. He never became a Freemason. Nobody, nobody really knows why, why he doesn't want to, wanted to do that. Because he, uh, a lot of the funding that went to his travels was from Freemasonry. Um, probably almost every lodge in California, or Southern California at least, had purchased a book, uh, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, that he made for the lodges. Um, I think at that time it was like 300 something dollars, which is like an outstanding amount of money back then. Um, and they had commissioned it, so they didn't even have the book yet. They, they gave him the money up front, and then he printed it. Um, I was very blessed to know uh, Dr. Heller, which I'm sure uh, Ashley knows. Dr. Heller, right? Yes, I'm familiar. He is a super cool guy. I, everybody says, what's he like? I'm like, he's like a Hungarian KFC like, like he's he's super cool. He's super old. He knows so 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 much. Um, I was blessed to hang out with him at uh, Besant Lodge uh, for a lecture. Oh no, my video froze. Your video froze. Um, I went to go hang out with him at uh, the Besant Lodge to go see a lecture, and uh, nobody was answering his questions. He kept asking the audience questions. I'm like, come on, man. You're not going to answer this guy's questions. So I was engaging with him, answering questions. And after the lecture, he's like, so you're a Manly P. Hall fan? I go, I'm a huge fan. And you know, unbeknownst to me, I did not know that he was connected with Manly P. Hall at the time. Um, he's like, I would like to show you something in my office. And we walked back to his office and he goes, I want to show you the rarest Manly P. Hall book on the planet. I'm like, you're, you got to be kidding me. I might have a heart attack. Like, I don't know if you should show me this. I may, I may run out with it. And uh, he showed me a misprint of the secret teachings of all ages. And it's a misprint. The cover, there's two covers and two signatures by Miami P. Hall. And I go, how did you manage this? And he starts laughing. I go, well, there was a misprint, and that was just by accident. But I had him sign it twice on purpose. I go, so how'd you do it? He goes, I waited till he was on the phone. And I had him sign the book once, and I flipped the page. And while he was on the phone, I told him, hey, you didn't sign this one. And he signed it. And I said, uh, I, and he told me that he asked him if he can keep the misprint. And he said he could. <laughs> so he has one of the rarest books out there um, in his office on a pedestal, actually. And it's opened up. He let me go through it and check it out. It was just, it was scary and amazing at the same time, because I was like afraid I was going to tear a page or something. I remember the first time seeing that big book, the the, the first edition. In the Lodge. Old, yeah, Lodge. Yeah. And that was just, it, it took me back to the first time I saw the book and to know that there was more. That That's where I was like, wow, there's more? There's This guy did more? Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, seeing seeing all his work and, and all the, all the stuff that he did. I mean, you could go on YouTube and s listen to hours of lectures hours and hours of lectures and each one is going to have a different point different topic and and kind of educate you in a different way um i feel manly was one of those overachievers 
who really did the work and understood, you know, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Uh, James, how do you feel Manly would see, how, how do you think he Manly would see our culture today as far as the esoteric culture that is kind of a, in a renaissance area right now? What do you think he would say? I and think he I'll, would cry. Ryan, I'm I, Ashley Ryan at right afterwards. Yeah, I think he would cry because that was his lifelong dream to do that and uh, to basically spread knowledge to educate people, to let them choose, to let them come to a library and to see the most sacred, rarest writings on the planet. And um, this is something that I guess we're leading up to is, you know, that was his lifelong dream. And um, he wanted, uh, towards the end of his life, he wanted to um, broadcast over television um, on cable across the world for anybody that wanted to tune in and to check this out. Um, so I think him seeing where we're at today, that he is a staple in the occult world. Um, I mean, he made his name known. And unfortunately, you know, it wasn't as big as after he passed. And he didn't really get to see that. You know, he passed in 1990. But um, I mean, I was going there. I thought it was cool. Was I never planning- met. I never met him. I never saw him. Yeah, but he planted seeds. He planted. He planted seeds, seeds for sure. Yeah. He planted seeds, for sure. He did amazing things, and I think he would be very proud of himself. And I, I, w- I wish he would have been able to see that because now, I mean, look at you have the online catalog, right? That I was there for the um, uh, the day that they launched that for the little party they had there, and then Mitch Horowitz gave his lecture afterwards. Um, I wasn't even supposed to go there, but I hung out with Mitch after the first lecture I saw the night before and I came back and then, um, I was there with a buddy of mine and then, uh, Mitch is like, James, I turn around, my buddy goes, how does Mitch Horowitz know your freaking name, man? I'm like, I just talked to him last night. I only met him once. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I just came to see some crazy guy give another lecture and for the, uh, the grand opening of the online category, but, uh, catalog, I'm sorry. But this catalog had, what was it? This catalog is 25,000 titles. 25,000. And Ashley, I think you know more about this, but how long did that take to catalog every freaking book? How many years? I think it was like 10. It's incredible. The amount of work it, it, and love that went into that. And that includes not just written pieces too, but also his audio lectures that yeah. he did. I mean, it's it's amazing. Still, it's there's still work that's pretty interesting. You know, um, PRS puts out special books. Um, for example, I bought their Christmas book this year, which had like unreleased material, and oh, that's what blows gosh. my mind. There's yeah. unreleased. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> so I I think Manly, his biggest fear before he died was that all the work he did wouldn't be remembered because in the 1990s he started to see. People not really care about magic a anymore. Decline. When I think, mm-hmm. yeah, a decline in it, and um, I don't think Manly understood the internet. You know, that was kind of around, but not really during his time. Um, and unfortunately, I think it was because of that fear that he um, was conned, and PRS yeah. unfortunately fell into a, a thing of despair um, and spent millions of dollars in lawsuits against the the Fritz family. But what we get to see now is something that's so beautiful and that um, PRS is still around and it's actually thriving more than ever. The um, Of all the terrible things that happened during the pandemic, uh, PRS boomed and that's incredible. And the revival, the revival of magic and the revival of esotericism in the Western mysteries is incredibly special. And I don't think Manly, um, if he, you know, if his, spirit was still on earth for the first i don't know five years or whatever after like he would have felt terrible but now to see uh, what it has become in 2022 uh, is very very special i agree i I think today he'd be very happy with all the people who have studied his works especially people like mitch horowitz you know 
uh, making that a, com- a companion to the sacred teachings of all ages. Oh, um, personal personal plug here. Mitch uh, is going to be on the second season of the Occult Unveiled. Oh. For- so I hope um, you know your listeners will tune in. Mitch is a wonderful speaker. Uh, he's my friend and has so much has done so much to revitalize and keep Manley's story and his work alive. And we are so yes. so grateful for that. He's we're lucky, speaker. We were lucky enough to see a lecture that he did in um, South Pasadena at the uh, the lodge. They have uh, these uh, illumination lectures, and most of them are open to all. So, Ashley, if you ever get a chance, check one out if you, if you have time uh, to make it out there. They're really, really good. Um, but Mitch went out there. and He's one of those people like Manly P. Hall who can stand in front of you without notes or anything and give a lecture lawlessly. Mm-hmm. Where you're, you're at the edge of your seat the whole time with your eyes wide open and you're listening to every word that is coming out of his mouth because he's putting it together so well. It's really, really amazing how he works um what else do you have on manly james um i think this will be a good segue into what ashley was talking about about being conned i think this is something that needs to be talked about most people don't know this i i think this is a part of his story that the the reason why i believe his work is is what was almost lost you know i mean what took place after his death and I mean, we, we, we have the PRS and, and his teachings by like a thread, hanging on by a thread. And it, it's a really, sh- it's kind of a shocker. I'm a, uh, Ashley, I'm going to let you take this away because you said you want to talk about this. And I was really happy that you want to talk about it. Absolutely. So I have a personal opinion piece written by his wife, Mary Bauer Hall, that I will read from in a moment. Um, but what is so sad about the end of Manley's life was that he seemed to have died under murderous causes. Mm. And he died on August 28th of 1990. And directly from his wife's opinion piece, obviously con artists who pretend to care for and heal elderly people have become more or less murderous motives to begin with. Even if they are experts in covering up their tracks by hypothetical pretenses. Three con artists in this case managed to for three years representing themselves as quote ends, end quote. Oh, um, so the men's names are not uh, fully mentioned here, but it was a man and his son who go by the name of Fritz. That's F-R-I-T-Z. So... We're going to get into the step-by-step a case of how um, Manley's life ended. It is curious to say the least that our fatal vacation started on August 26 of 1990. It was the exact date of the 52nd anniversary of my unearthing of the original Brunton Church Foundations and locating Burton Vault from Williamsburg, Virginia during the summer and fall of 1938. At this time, I was forced to do so without being able to gain permission, despite the fact that the Rocker Restoration of Williamsburg, Virginia, had dug for me under the present or wrong church that had paid for it. But returned to the fatal trip, on Sunday, August 26, 1990, we, myself, my husband, Fritz, a supposed psycho-physiotherapist, uh, and his son, left in an RV which was given to my husband by his company. We intended to spend a week or 10 days in the little community of Halcon, located near the Rio Grande, where my daughter and her family live. Their home is a walking distance from our prospective destination. We arrived and had made arrangements with the people who are in charge of the Temple of the People in Halcon. Curiously, the name sounds identical in meeting with the Church of the People, which is a part of my husband's establishment, the Philosophical Research Society. I want to scroll down. When we left our home in Los Angeles Sunday morning, August 26, in the RV, I was greatly surprised that Daniel Fritz, the principal con man in question, had attached a large metal 
trailer, carrying his car to the oversized RV. His son, David, followed in a newly acquitted Jeep. I remarked to Fritz that the extra weight of the trailer and car could easily overheat the engine of the RV and wondered why he would not attach it to his car to the RV without a trailer. I now realized that this situation was brazenly precalculated as an excuse for our husband, my husband never reaching our destination. Yet Fritz had taken the RV on long trips to Carmel and to the Rogue River, Oregon without a trailer or difficulties caused by it. Sure enough, as we reached Santa Barbara, about 89 miles south of our destination, Fritz pulled over to the side of the road, claiming the engine was, quote, heating up, end quote, although no one saw a sign of this. Since we still trusted the scoundrel, we were unaware of his pre-calculated designs. It was Sunday, and the RV had to go to a garage, so I insisted that we return back home to Los Angeles in the car, which we did. I had been reluctant to leave for the trip in the first place because my husband and I had contracted bronchitis congestion, which should have been attended to by our family physician. However, Fritz was opposed to it, and he was too was all too legitimate to medical treatment. That's a strange sentence. He contended that the fresh air would do Manly and myself more good than a doctor. The following Monday morning, August 27th, Fritz and David came to the house early, ready to return to Santa Barbara and the RV. When I announced to all three, my husband Fritz and his son, that I was not going, that instead we should see the doctor, and he gave and, and have him give us antibiotics. Manly was still in bed when I announced to all three of them that. Their strange medicines and outlandish treatments, it seemed to me that lately Manly was not getting any better. Also, that Manly was getting overly dependent on their unreasonable methods and ways that he was acting strangely frightened after Fritz left the house. I told him Fritz, I told Fritz in front of my husband that there would have to be a showdown between him, his methods, Manly, and myself. After the seemingly open argument, Manly pleaded with me, as he frequently did when Fritz was not present. So I was forever sandwiched between Manly's frightened attitude not to rock the boat with Fritz. At this time, Manly pleaded that he had been looking forward to this vacation and hoped that we could get away. So I gave in. On the second day, August on the second day, August twenty seventh, we returned to the RV. In it, drove to the upper side of Santa Barbara. When Fritz again claimed that the RV was heating up again without any sign of evidence, Fritz concluded that we would be unable to reach our destination that day. I still did not seriously mistrust the scoundrel. But the three men occupying with the RV, I surely could not stay there. Fritz suggested that David drive me up to my daughter's house and return to the RV. I spent the night of August 27, 1990 at my daughter's house. In my estimation, it was the following day of August 28th, toward the late evening, that Fritz and David, in a pre-calculated legal conspiracy, murdered my husband, Manly Palmer Hall. Probably they did so by suffocation during the night when they could get Manly away from me and make it look completely, quote, natural. Unknown to us at the time, three days before the fatal vacation, uh, Bandit, who was part of the conspiracy, had presented and prepared legal or rather illegal papers that the fully trusted, he would be fully trusted with all the fan finances of PRS and the Verat Foundation, along with my husband's and my own private financial affairs. By forgery and misrepresentation, Fritz had, uh, Fritz had manipulated Manley into signing off such an arrangement of papers on the basis of false pretenses. When I remarked to question uh, a lawyer that I had brought along, Manly uh, had gotten to sign the papers, and I needed to sign mine, implying that uh, the foundation was involved. It was claimed that the living trust uh, occurred and was signed and finalized three days before our vacation. On August 28th, near noon, Fritz called me at my daughter's home and said that Manly was doing fine and was sound asleep. Even though they found that the RV could not be repaired and they were unable to come to the Arroyo Grande that day. 
My daughter offered to bring me down to Santa Barbara so we could all leave in the car together. But Fritz returned and announced that he was taking Manly home on the following morning, and they would phone us when they arrived in Los Angeles. I now believe in the late evening of August 28th, Manly lost his life at the hands of Fritz and David. I do not know the exact time. It was dark when I found myself waking up startled around 9 p.m., for I heard very heavy breathing which continued for some time, and I knew it was not my breath. Manly had bronchitis a bronchitis infection, and I immediately thought perhaps he was having, having some kind of heart attack. I was very worried, and then suddenly the heavy breathing stopped, and with a draw of a high wheeze, I felt whatever it was that Manly had gotten over it, and I was relieved. At the time, my husband and myself were looking to this, looking forward to this vacation. Now I am sure that Manly did draw his last breath at that moment, and nothing like this had ever happened to me before. It only occurred when Fritz and his accomplices accomplished their murderous design. The letter continues, but we'll stop here as we have completed the, the story of, of the murder. It is incredibly sad. It's incredibly sad. So, Absolutely. What do you think the motive was behind all that? Money. The money. The money. <clears throat> so They're a con artists. There was so much money behind all those ancient and secret manuscripts. I mean, millions of dollars worth of collecting over 70 years that it was worth a fortune quite literally ashley can you talk about the books that were stolen misplaced or went missing so all this information that i currently have uh, came from obadiah harris who passed away he was um, one of the former presidents of the philosophical research society a number of manuscripts, very ancient ones from the Middle Ages that Manley has spent a lifetime and a fortune collecting, um, had mysteriously disappeared um, right after Manley's death. And it is assumed that they were sold on the black market um, and have never been found again. Unfortunately, a lot of the major gems of PRS had been lost at that point. Um, and this includes um, not just books, but we are talking manuscripts. We are mm -hmm. talking about bindings and scrolls. Um, the greatest gone. Uh, and PRS uh, was there to, to pick up these pieces. And unfortunately, um, you know, of course, Marie is taking this to court, which she does. She takes it for PRS and the other foundation. And to in order to pay the lawyer bills, which lasted for a, an enormous a amount time. of time, mm -hmm. over seven years, she had to sell off a good portion of the books. So this once massive, expansive, ancient library had been diminished. It is still a gem, but it is not nearly the shining diamond that it once was in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? I just want to talk about that one second. Yeah, go ahead. How um, amazing his collection is. But it's only a fraction. Yeah. That's mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty interesting. Some of the books he still has, um, you know, I as, as working there, you hear all the stories and the rumors of things that happen. Some of those books are haunted. Mm -hmm. They have mystical experiences. In particular, there was a, um, a set of books that Aleister Crowley um, owned. They were his own works. But uh, apparently it started leaking the smell of sulfur at one point in, in the library. And the, um, the source was, was the books. Stop after. <laughs> so ju just to, I'm going to touch on something really quick. So some of these things that they have in like the vault, you always hear about the vault. Yes. I would mm -hmm. love to go there one day. Um, there's a Japanese Buddhist sutra written in blood. There's a Babylonian, uh, Babylonian cones and tablets, Chinese oracle bones, uh, more than 3,000 years old. There's an Egyptian papyrus of the Book of the Dead written about 600 BC. So this I is, did know this, about the papyrus, yeah. Yeah, this is no joke, people. Like, he had authentic, real items, time period pieces that were the treasures of the world that he Quite had collected. Yeah. Yes, literally, that he had collected. Um, so I, I can't emphasize enough how great his vision was. And, and he, for the most part, accomplished it. He, had, he, he set out to do what he wanted to go do, which he did, but then he wanted to share it. And that's the one last piece that he wasn't able to really do, at least at worldwide. Least, 
at least not at, in his time. I mean, right. now I know, you know, PRS um, has a pretty thriving community. Some of it is online, but I have met people who have come to PRS. There was this man from Brazil, and I, he just moved to Los Angeles. He's like, I moved here for PRS mm-hmm. because I was so inspired by Manly. And although I think he's maybe not as famous, like more people probably know about HPB than they do Manly P. Hall. But he's becoming more well-known, especially with the help of Mitch Horowitz and the revival of Western esotericism. I think he did pretty well. If you consider the other teachers that were around his time, like, for instance, Paramasa Yogananda and the Self-Realization Fellowship, he had a little bit of rivalry because, you know, they, they had their own belief systems and whatnot. But Yeah, that was kind of weird, though. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, was a, it was a little strange, like when you read about it. Yes, it, it is. Um, they, they just took little jabs well, at each I would other. Like to ask Manly. Um, so Los Angeles has had over four hundred cults, and there's one f- very famous cult in particular called the Source Family, where um, Joseph Baker actually went to the mm-hmm. Philosophical Research Society and sat and listened to Manly and took some of his teachings about Kabbalah and turned it into his cult. And I would love to know, be like, Manly, how do you feel about that? That like your teachings have endured and like they've influenced people, but not always in a good way. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, just to, to support what I was saying, um, I, I feel Manly now today is a lot more known than, you know, as the, the Self-Realization Fellowship. Uh, Absolutely. You, you have to talk to people about what that is. When you mention Manly's name, you know what it is. So I, I feel, you know, he accomplished his goal, even not even being around. He accomplished his goal. So, um, James, you got anything else for us? Let's see. I talked about. Uh, what, what else have I got? If you have not been to PRS yet, um, you need to. It is a destination spot. Um, you need to go. You need to go walk the library. Uh, they probably will not let you go upstairs because they have really short rails and it's really freaky and scary. But um, and if you can't go visit, you can see it on online. Uh, yeah, there's online and it's also in a lot of. They have a lot of filming there in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So the Good Fight has been filmed there a couple times. Um, part of Mindhunter, I think, was filmed there. So you you get to see these. Um, it's so timeless and it's so beautiful. The architecture, which we talked a little bit about before um, we started filming, was very specifically designed. And you can feel it when you walk into the space that um, the the symmetry of the design and even just the curvatures, which, as I believe you said, Manly was really picked up uh, when he was traveling to recreate it. And I... I don't know if Manly practiced magic in any way. I would like to think that he did. It's very elusive on that, huh? I think he did and he didn't. He, I think he had he was to. More of a, yes and no, man, because there's really nothing that alludes to that in any of his books. It, nothing. Where he says, I did this and I got this result. No. It was always left to you to figure out and go from there, which is what I like about the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. We'll never really know. <laughs> we won't know. He's very ambiguous on a lot of things. And I think that just adds to the mystery, mystery. of Manly P. Hall and PRS. Yeah. I, you know, if there were tools or something, you think they would have been found by now. So, but so much was lost. I, I yeah, think that so much- he studied it in an academic sense so he can speak on it and stuff like that. That's what everything seems to allude to. Yeah. There's so many. There's so much to look at, um, and he definitely like. I know. I think he was religious. When you really look, um, when I say religious, that uh, he believed in the power of, of the stories and of these mythologies and of the zodiac. Um, I, I think that maybe he thought of it like you said in an academic sense, where it's more psychology or psycho spiritual. But I don't know that question. Always, I will die with that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he practice? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, some other things that we have we have Manly P. Hall's alchemical manuscripts at the Getty. And then there's the complete catalog that we talked about with over 25,000 titles on the PRS website. 
Knock your socks off, guys. And oh, you can we... go now and actually read books. Like they, they're allowing people to look at the books again at the at the library. I know. What we were there oh. for the uh, the opening of the online library. They they had brought out the manuscripts, um, which was amazing. Well, James, we definitely need to go down there one day and just um, let me know. Let me <laughs> yeah, know. I will. Go down let's there. go. We'll get lunch. Usually, what I do is I go eat over there to get get in the area before traffic hits, and then or or normally I go and then have dinner afterwards. But um, there was a Tibetan manuscript that was, it, the book was long from left to right. It was an ob, oblong shaped book. And uh, I'm like walking around, like looking at stuff. And they have people who work there standing there, you know, making sure nobody touches nothing. And like, I hear pages flipping and I turned around and there was this guy flipping through the pages. I'm like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Don't touch that. And the guy that was standing there to tell everybody not to touch it had just looked to the right. <clears throat> and when the guy turned around, the color left his body. He, <laughs> he told him, he goes, sir, you can't touch that. He goes, oh, I thought it was out for us to look at. He goes, no, that's a 3,000-year-old manuscript. Yourself. You just flip through with your greasy fingers, man. Your greasy fingers, man. Right. Um, r- that My soul left my body for a second there. But... Um, it's amazing the stuff that he has there. I, I will say, you know, you guys know my adventures and everywhere I go. Uh, PRS is my number one place that I go to see amazing things. Um, so if there's an event, there's a they're show, showcasing something. There's a lecture. They have sound bowl, uh, sound bath classes there, and all kind of really cool stuff. Check them out. I think the last time I was there, they had a tarot card uh, collection. Ugh. Going way back, I saw tarot cards I've never seen before. Whole new styles, Marseille, all kind of cool stuff they had there. Yeah, Mitch held that lecture. Yeah, I went to that too. Yeah, I did, I couldn't get a reading from him. It was he was booked, but that would that would yeah. be cool to have my cards read by him. So I think that covers what we have so far for Manly P Hall. But more importantly, I want to talk about the. Pythian Priestess and the Occult Unveiled podcast. And you just oh, recently you. started that up. And how's it going? How exciting is it? Did you have any episodes already where you're like enthralled and super happy that, hey, this turned out great? The podcast has done very well. I'm very happy and grateful for all the people who came on uh, for season one. We have been renewed for season two. And as of this recording, uh, we will be starting tomorrow on April 20th on season two. Uh, I am so blessed to have um, the names, like talking to Michelle Belanger was really special and learning. You know, a lot of this pod podcast, The Occult Unveiled, I don't know everything. I'm an expert in certain things, but to say you're an expert in everything in esotericism is impossible. Is <laughs> yeah, right. Jack of so all get, trades. Exactly. So getting to talk to people at the deepest level about things that were currently truly hidden. Um, I think my favorite episode out of season one actually was talking to Scarlett Amaris. And yes. the she's awesome. Yeah, she's wonderful, a very well educated mythologist, and a wonderful witch. Uh, I've learned from her at the Crooked Path, so I I was surprised to see how well it was received. Because you don't never know with this kind of stuff. You might end up on the wrong side of TikTok or the wrong <laughs> side of YouTube and get spammed with some yep. hate mail. But I've not not received any of that, and I'm so grateful. And um, the team behind the occult unveiled F Street Productions, um, I'll share this a little bit. These people that I, I began working with, uh, they started as atheists. And I recently listened to uh, a interview with the director that I work with, and he called himself an agnostic. Mm, that's awesome. Oh, look at you converting people. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, and I asked him, I was like, so you... You're an agnostic now. He's like, well, you know, like listening to all these people and like starting to see things in a different light. I was like, good. That's exactly what I want this podcast to do is help 
people open up their minds. And just because like one person comes on, talks about Luciferianism, that's not for you. It's not for you. Exactly. Uh, Next episode then. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Keep listening. There's um, the truth is that our world is, people like to use the word supernatural as like something otherworldly, but it's all here. And that's what I learned in manly script of the, it's called the unseen forces. And all of the dimensions both above us and below us are all resonating on this plane of existence. We are both the kingdom of heaven and the fires of hell. And that is so incredibly special that, that we get to be here, experience and interact with the world is so special. And I'm so grateful that I get to do this. Well, I mean, that's awesome, and and I I agree. We're we're on the same path with you. Uh, We we pretty much are in it for the same reasons. We want to educate and put out information that people can digest and make their own decisions on. Um, Where can people find your podcast, and when do you get? How often do you do it? So we currently have uh, eight episodes out. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere that you get your, your major podcasts on your phone. We do not have YouTube, just so everyone knows, but you can follow us and uh, on social at The Occult Unveiled, on TikTok, and on Twitter, and on Instagram. So we're everywhere. And of course, you can follow me, Pythian Priestess. I'm on tiktok and instagram and of course uh i have little playlists now that you can see like trailers of who i'll be talking to and what we're talking about so enjoy the your journey and i hope that for all the potential listeners out there um that you just have an open mind and allow yourself to explore this world and it's so great that both of you uh, with the keepers of the word really are doing the same thing. I think there's a, a small group of us who are here to help elevate the consciousness of humanity. And I'm so grateful to to be here and, and thank you for having me tonight. We're, we're honored to have you and thank you. Thank you very much. Um, everybody who follows us and subscribes, uh, give her a follow, check out her page. There's a lot of great content there, very digestible content where you would understand it from beginning to end. And I think that's the really important part right now where we're able to give you information that you're able to really take in, think about, and and make an educated decision. Um, Ashley, do you have any shout outs or a- any mentions you want to do right now? Sure. Thank you. Um, I would like to thank my boyfriend, who probably will never listen to this, um, he is, <laughs> he is um, a Manly P. Hall enthusiast like me, and uh, he keeps that passion going. We read these pamphlets together, so thanks to him. And thank you to the F Street Productions, Michael Simon and Scott Kushner, and thank you to all of my friends and followers uh, who allow me to keep doing this and, and living my passion. I'm so grateful. Awesome. James. I have a quote that I would like to end the show with. Uh, This is a quote from Manly P. Hall. To live in the world without becoming aware of the meaning of the world is like wandering about in a great library without ever touching the books. So please pick up a book and become aware. Great quote. B, you got anything? Yeah, I give my usual shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you guys. We do this for you guys. So we appreciate the fact that you actually tune in and communicate and and, uh, participate in the chat room. Um, To all the brothers out there, wheresoever dispersed. And as usual, out to each and every person trying to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today. Keep it up. You're doing great. Ryan's an esoteric Russell Simmons. (laughs) <laughs> i love it love it love it i love it i love Drop it so yes i, I want to give a shout out to all my family friends everybody that has supported me thus far with these endeavors uh thank you thank you for just you know lending your ear being there and and i appreciate you 
Um, thanks for tuning in. However you're watching us, comment below. Let us know what your favorite part of the show was. For questions regarding the show, content ideas, booking inquiries, or just simply to say hello, visit the contact page at keepersoftheword.net. That's it. Over and out.